another episode of I Can Do This All Day. I'm Dan, the part-time Avenger. That's Mark, the resident Jedi. Hello there. Uh, today, we're here together to talk about a movie that's going to be in two parts. So we both, over the last few days, uh, enjoyed or took in, I don't know about enjoyed, we'll get there, uh, the newest entry into the Mission Impossible family, uh, Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning, Tom Cruise, that box office juggernaut and starting to show his age now. He's starting to look kind of old in this movie. The the precursor to the movie, where he sits there and thanks you for being there. His shirt looked like it was from the 50s, and he looks like he was from the 30s. <laughs> he's just, he's wilting away. But he soon will pass on into the great Scientology world in the in the universe. So we're fine. He's just going to disappear in the field, just like that one Nicole Kidman movie that he was in the race. He's, it's going to be like, it's going to be like a reverse field of dreams. <laughs> Tom Cruise puts on great movies, looking pretty old, but you know what? He was doing his thing in this movie. And I want to do a quick rewind a little bit. Our last episode was a uh, Mission Impossible one through six ranking and predictions for Dead Reckoning. And there are some predictions that were made. Uh, I can't remember all of them, to be quite honest, but I do remember one of them. I thought someone was going to die. I mean, I think a couple of people died. <laughs> yeah. A lot of death in this movie. A good amount of death, but one of the main characters definitely did die. At least it seems that way. I don't think they're going to pull a Fast and the Furious where... All of a sudden, like, oh, they just took a pill and their their heartbeat slowed for twenty minutes. Like, no, I don't think that's the case. I think Ilsa Faust, Rebecca Ferguson, the best actor in that series, the best character, and just overall sex bomb, Rebecca Ferguson, dead in Mission Impossible Seven. Would you really call her a seminal character in this movie? In the last few movies, yes. I mean, maybe not in this movie because. She she's just like a plot device to to make it go forward, and there there needed to be some type of loss, right? Because they have not lost in any movie, <laughs> so the, no one's no one on the good guys have died except for Carrie Russell in Mission Impossible Three, which he didn't care about. But that's where we're at, and Rebecca Ferguson, who was like a great shot in the arm in the fifth Mission Impossible, I was like, oh, she's back, but they they kind of played with my heartstrings a little bit because you thought she was dead a little bit earlier on, which we'll get into. But either way, that's one of the predictions that was correct. Mark, do you remember any of yours? No. No, only that uh, there would be some suspending and hanging and I don't know. I, I really have no idea. <laughs> this is a good episode. It's but... Did, did we, we didn't even mention the fact that we are here in person together, or did we? I no. spun it a little, but okay. we can, we can like, we, yeah. Yeah, L let's London Bridge this right now. Oh, okay. The one city there was no shooting in. This episode marks a monumental occasion. We've been doing this podcast for over a year, and this is our first episode where we get the chance to sit here in person discuss maybe debate maybe argue i don't know we, we haven't discussed this movie at all we actually had to pull back a few times where it's like nope don't 
Don't talk about it. Save it for the podcast. It was difficult. We had to talk about other things. And I feel like we're both ready to dig into this impossible mission. Well, let's start it off. This movie kicks off with a submarine scene circa Hunt, of Red, Hunt for Red October and U571. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, I was so excited. I thought we were getting a submarine movie. I, I thought Russians on submarines always sing their national anthem, right? I was waiting for it. <laughs> waiting for it did not happen. Right off the bat, this movie just served me up disappointment. Mm. I was a little bit disappointed, but for the wrong reason. So the first movie I ever saw that had a submarine was Hunt for Red October. Fell asleep. Couldn't remember anything about the movie. I woke up maybe 15 minutes before the end, and I never went back to it. Now, granted, I was like seven or eight years old, but submarine movies don't do it for me. I'm just, nah. Even even in Terminator, uh, what was the one with Christian Bale? Uh, Genesis? No, no. Dark Fate? No, that's the other one. It was Genesis. I will bet you. A movie Salvation. Right now. Salvation, yes. Once I say that, he gets scared. So yes, he had to think about it that one at that time. But yeah, in Terminator Salvation, that was the only movie that had a submarine scene that I thought was worth it because they just got blown the shit out of and like it was very little time in the in the submarine. So it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea when I was younger, and still to this day, not a big fan of submarine movies. So what you're saying is you and submarines in movies, big adversary. You know what? I don't even like sub sandwiches. Oh, that was clever. That's it's an interesting thing for this movie. Starting off with the submarine, though, that's something that they have not done in any of these movies. Submarine scene. This is going to be different. But parts of Avenger tunes out within the first two minutes. Sleeping. Uh, I didn't fall asleep, but I was I was intrigued as to what's happening. But let's unfold that a little bit deeper. Do you know what's going on at that scene? No, but I was amused due to my love, just deep love, of Hunt for Red October, that they've modernized the keys, right? They used to have to <laughs> count and turn them both at the same time. Now, Transformers, they scissored the keys yeah. and it opened the majigger. <laughs> so my wife and I, well, it's really, I have this thing, wherever there's any type of scene for like, whether it's two women kissing or, or anything like that, I will have my my fingers up like this and I'll slowly go towards her. And she's like, come on, don't leave me hanging. So like, it's, it's like a high five. That's like my new version of a high five where it's like, mm. <laughs> and I, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw the key. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, you, you're the one who said it. So it's just, I, I, so I say it for context. I say it because my wife and all of her sorority sisters from NIU do this do this thing, but there's no turning. It's like a weird diamond thing. Oh. And I just always say, oh, you're doing the scissor? And she doesn't. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be comments about this in the feed because there's a lot of scissoring going on. I, you know what, just because, did you, did you graduate from NIU? No. Okay. As an NIU former, former alumnus, I will 
not stand for this behavior, but I was just speaking of the inside joke that my wife and I have. Oh, no, there's another alumnus, like, in another room that'll come down here and just, yeah, no. There might be a physical altercation. Well, luckily, we're recording, so we're off safe. My apologies to all the former NIU and even those of the Greek system. Now, I was not in the Greek system when I was in college. Uh, I will still not stand for this on this podcast. I will talk shit about any actor, director, and really generally any other person, but not the NIU Greek system. Okay. Uh, so that makes one of us. Yeah. Actually, that's, I could care less, but come at us now. Here we go. Here we go. But that scene was a little bit confusing for me because I thought Ethan Hunt was fucking with the Russians. That's what I thought was happening. I thought when they put the they took the drive out, they put the drive in, they played with the computers a little bit. I thought they were the ones that broke their own thing. Mm. But everybody on that thing died. Yeah. I I thought that it was going to go to the Mission Impossible like sizzle reel right after that Russian, <laughs> that Russian sub blew up because I thought they were going full anti-Russia in this thing. And I was just like, oh my God. Ethan Hunt and the IMF just blew up the fucking Russians. You just want him to pull up like Kaczynski, how do you, Zelensky? The Ukraine guy. He's trying to pull up a Zelensky mask and just, yeah. I mean, they blew up the Kremlin. Why not blow up a Russian sub? I thought this was just like going to be like a Sylvester Stallone-esque type of propaganda movie where it's like (laughs) anti-Russia. Bad and good is all dependent on point of view. And these men were serving their country to test out the most advanced technology ever to come out of Russia. The most advanced technology that no one should ever have control of. Unless it is like ChatGPT and just (laughs) answers questions for you. But yeah, you shouldn't be able to let a computer just randomly shoot your missiles. Agreed. Agreed. And this particular subject is very sensitive. So you mentioned ChatGPT. Uh, I also use ChatGPT, or at least I you know, entertain the thought of it and try and mess around. Like ChatGPT, act as if you are a three-star Michelin chef and create a perfect recipe for fettuccine Alfredo. That's what I'll do. I'll fuck around with stupid stuff like that. And really, I could just look up a recipe for a Michelin star. <laughs> A Benicini Alfredo recipe, if there's one out there, I don't know. But yeah, what are your thoughts on AI as a whole? And are you digging this? Because after that first scene, you know it's going to be about AI, right? It hints at it. Yeah. And then it digs way deeper. Like I I know we're jumping ahead. We're skipping over the desert and we're going to the scene with Kittredge and all the other leaders where they explain it in, in a very deep way. But in general... I think this is the the scary version of AI. It's been done, right? Like the Matrix, Terminator. We, we, the word self-aware has always been this, this light switch for evil when it comes to computers. Sure. Like, oh, they're self-aware. They're going to kill you. I don't know that a self-aware AI is a bad thing, but we've been taught that it's a scary thing so i mean elon musk who's like arguably the most innovative or at least 
radical type of mind that's going towards innovation, right? Is like, don't fuck with AI. Like, it's not a good idea. Like, you should not work with AI as much as we are. But you just said it's it's okay to have an, a self-aware AI. I think, I think AI is like communism. Oh, here it's, we go. Well, I uh, know. It's great in the theory. Everybody's treated equally. Everybody's provided for. But when you add the human aspect, which AI would take into consideration the human aspect possibly working against it, then it becomes really scary because AI makes generalizations. And if one human is a threat, all humans are a threat. Very true. And then you got the Terminator. Then you got Judgment Day, baby. Yeah. Which, John Connor, if you're out there, start doing push-ups and sit-ups. and Like and subscribe first, though, bro. <laughs> Give us yeah. a comment. The John Connor, you're our only hope. <laughs> um, but the hypocrisy is strong in this one just because of your, your passionate speech about communism. That one's going to go on a, on a short. Or a, I don't <laughs> believe in isms. I just believe in me. The the speech speech about communism, your pro communism, uh, your comments, but uh, no, no, I, I get it. Uh, I think that with this AI, I'm thinking like, oh wow, this is a really cool, innovative, current thing. But where the fuck are they going to go with this? Like Ethan Hunt is not going to go against Skynet, but apparently in this movie he is. So I'm going to stop you right there. When you say this is a new and innovative and cool thing, it's not. It has been done and done and done. And part of my goal in this podcast is to convince you that we've just watched The Matrix Revelations. Okay. That movie sucked. Okay. All right. I'm down with that. So I think you all know what he's going to say at the end of this episode, but let's just go ahead and dive right in. Um, I'm an action guy. I love the action. We go into the desert with some action. With some laying down horses? Is is PETA going to freak out because Tom Cruise didn't have water for his horse? Mm. I mean, if we learned anything from Indiana Jones, you want camels, not horses in the desert. Listen to Sala. They have horses in the desert. Plenty of horses. Obviously, we saw them. Yeah. They had horses in John Wick for... But they don't have abundant water. Who's taking care of the horsey? I don't know. Maybe the sand police. That yeah, that's a... Mm-hmm. The tree police exist here in Illinois. Uh, I'm sure sand police exist out there and, and wherever the hell they were. Like, Ethan Hunt has the, the mission from Kittredge, and he has to go bring in Ilsa Faust, who is acting rogue. And Kit- Kittredge, I, let me rewind. I'm sorry. You had a hard-on for Kittredge since the last episode. I was super stoked on the Hit- Kittredge part. The 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 mission that they gave him, that he was delivered via DoorDash, it was, it was still in the, this will self-destruct. Loved it. Just was back in it. I enjoy that nostalgic part. And all of the Kittredge in this movie was very interesting in in just the back and forth with it. And I love that they gave us 
views of him interacting with other intelligence professionals and world leaders. We'll get there. But I that the, the Kittred stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it was nice to see or well, hear him at first and knowing that he was going to be in it a little bit later on. I was like, oh, this is awesome. But the fact that Ilsa Faust, that name, Rebecca Ferguson, best character in the series, my opinion. Uh, and I'm like, oh, cool. But then it was like, they're, they're going to kill her. I knew right there that because she's acting rogue, it was doing the the plot device of like, she's a good guy. She's a, a consistent compadre with Ethan. But someone's going to die in this, and it has to be the person that you can't tell who's 100% on board. And so, granted, Ethan Hunt is always off the reservation. You always know, because he's the protagonist, that he's going to be a good guy, and he's fighting for the the good of the world. But Ilsa Faust, a little bit of selfishness, a little bit of danger, a little bit of carelessness, but a lot of skill and accuracy with a lot of her gunplay... She is going to die in this movie, and she absolutely does. So, obviously, if you're watching this or listening to this, I mean, don't get mad at us for spoilers. Granted, this is a fairly new movie, but I'll put a warning on the initial part of it anyways. But yeah, spoilers. She dies. Ah, Well, I think she dies for a reason. I think at the whole beginning of the movie, they show her as an expert gunplay person. And then she decides, I have a samurai sword. She was excellent hand-to-hand combat as well, but... Not excellent enough, apparently. Yeah, which I think is such bullshit. I don't know, man. This Gabriel guy. Isam Morales, really cool to see him. I I thought he was an interesting choice. I was like, dude, he's been in everything. And he looks badass and he plays the part really well what's his name isai morales morales okay he was in la bamba he was in a whole bunch of other stuff i don't know or remember i just want to make sure that he was hispanic before i before i give him the nickname uh that i that i did but we'll get to that when we talk about the club scene i think that you know the, the desert scene was really cool and the thought of just how dark it is it actually felt very Call of Duty. And I can't think of another movie scene in a modern big screen movie that was better in Desert Combat. Simply because of the lack of visibility. I thought it was really good. There was like a little bit of panic in that. Because Ethan, he cleverly does his little light flashing to Ilsa so she knows. It's like, oh, it's Ethan. He's like, oh, did you guys talk about this shit? Do you guys have, like, little flash? (laughs) Only one person in the world flashes people like that in the desert, and it's Ethan Hunt. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, it's it's not like some kid playing with a lighter or something like that. It's not somebody that has a button on their hat, and they just happen to, like, it's, oh, must be. Yeah. But he sends off the signal... And she gets right into fucking gun mode. She's like, boom, loads up the sniper rifle, the 50 cal. I think it was a 50 cal anyways. Just start taking people out. An expert marksmanship in a sandstorm, which I will take my reality glasses off. And just be like, I'm fine with this, just for the record. But come on, let's be real. You're, you have to be like the most excellent marksman. Like level 50 beyond Chris Kyle 
in terms of that type of expert sniper marksmanship. The thing that bothers me about it is they found her so fast when she had like a giant suppressor on that thing. I mean, you see the muzzle flash even from a suppressor. Are you are you stuck on that? Is that really a problem? No, I, I enjoyed the scene. Okay. I'm just saying there that was a point for me where it's like, eh, no. But again, reality glasses off and I'll squint and it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. The they did a really excellent job though making us think that she was dead. If I didn't see the trailer, which by the way, did you go in trailerless? I did. Completely raw dog this movie. I bet you love raw dogging. Were you surprised that she wasn't dead? No. I I also thought that the other guy that was pretending to be dead too, because I thought that was Gabriel. Oh. Uh, but it was, like a, it, was a, it was a girl. Like you saw her long hair. And- no, no, her over there. So in that scene where they're coming at each other this way, and they both kind of, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. I thought that was Gabriel. And that was her. There was no blood or anything. Like everyone else in this movie that died, there's a puddle of blood. You saw the blonde. Well, maybe obviously you didn't see the blonde ponytail. She she had like a blonde ponytail. And that's that's why. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they left her in the sniper position, set it all on fire. So it made it look like she was dead. Oh yeah. Let's talk a little bit about after that scene and where everything else goes. Because we're talking about a lot of different things. This movie's very confusing, or it can be very confusing if you don't know what the hell AI is, if you don't pick up on some of the subtleties of conversation. And there's a lot of spy talk. Probably the most in comparison to the other Mission Impossibles, I would say. The first one. First one had a lot. Knocklist and all that stuff. Like there's a lot, but yeah. Yeah, the 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 newer ones have been simpler. I did enjoy the fact that this got into, you know, some depth and really had a full-on global threat. Yeah. Realistic, though? I mean, the AI thing is, yeah. I suppose. Okay. All right. So we got that. Especially, the the, the reason I say it's very realistic is it, it really hits you that, oh, it touched all of our systems, but didn't do anything. Meaning it's calculating. It is ready and it knows where to go like that. Do you buy that it's already self-aware and it's like, I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to use this Mexican guy and he will get me world domination. So first of all, that's not what it sounds like. <laughs> um, to me, it does. To me, it sounds like the predator. Because it was just like, <laughs> it sounds like the predator. And it looks like the eye from fucking either that they just built in Vegas or something out of the cover of an Orwell book, right? It's just the all-seeing eye from 1984. It looks like Ultron from Avengers Age Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah, or Jar- yeah, Jarvis. Was it Jarvis? No. It was both. It was both. No, okay, fine. It's, that's Lots that's the universal, the universal visual for AI. Look, we made a shape out of computery things. Again, it's the Matrix. So you believe it though? You're you're okay with the the AI? I think that it is. It has 
the potential to be a legitimate threat in the real world. Okay, fair enough. I think it, yeah, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, do you think AI is going to take over the world one day? I, I knew you were going to ask that question. And I was already thinking of an answer. And I think that the the funny part is, I don't think that AI is the problem. I think it's the way people decide to use it. And this movie was very interesting in that it talked about the fact that the source code was altered. And the original source code is clean and will shut it down. I think that's where AI becomes dangerous is when the source code will get manipulated or something within the system removes itself from a a baseline of safety and creates some bias in the system. And that's the thing that judgment days you, right? It's the, that's why my communism analogy makes sense to me because if all things are equal and things are perfect, yeah, it works. It's the whole point. It's the whole, uh, like Star Trek world. Everybody gets exactly what they need. But that never happens in a world where capitalism exists. And that's the thing that tilts AI. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, for the record, Mark loves communism. So uh I should wear a red hat from now on, huh? <laughs> we got the AI, right? We got a little bit of taste of the action. The characters, we get a chance to see Benji and Luther. When we go into them going after the key, key, what do you think is going to happen? And where do you think the movie's going to go from here? I think they're going to have some cool spy gadgets. Somebody's going to wear some faces and they're going to go out and figure it out. You know what I didn't expect? There's one thing in this movie I completely didn't expect. The excessive amount of close-up magic. So much sleight of hand that I feel like Tom Cruise was bored during COVID and just like, I don't know what he he watched Labyrinth to do like close-up juggling. Somebody showed him uh, a couple scenes from uh, what's the, now you see me, whatever the, the, that magic movie was. And he was like, Oh, uh, or he went to the Magic Castle and was like, this is amazing. No, you know what happens is he saw Ant-Man 2 and he got fucking pissed. And he's like, Disney's not going to get more of my money, goddammit. So he's like, I did this in the first one. I'm going to do it again in seven multiple times. And you know what? The person that I bring in that has never done it before, she's going to learn it too just because she saw me do it. There was so much close-up magic. <laughs> and it was just like, it was in your face levels where he's like, it's over here. It's over here. Yeah. Like, did he just spend too much time in a safe house and he was just bored? That That is kind of funny that you say that. And, and I, I still believe to the theory where, you know, Tom Cruise wants these movies to be big box office hits and he notices what is he, he's picking and choosing from different franchises, different movies as to what's successful. Everyone loved the magic in Ant-Man too. <laughs> so 
He's like, I'm bringing it back, baby. It's going to work because I bet you he's been playing it for like every other movie since the first one is like, Tom, that's the stupidest fucking idea. <laughs> is, is it? Is it like the producer from uh, Superman? We need a, we need a, John, a spider. John Spider. This is Tom Cruise's John Spider. Yeah, he needs to have, have magic. So he loves his hands and apparently he loves magic <laughs> in his hands. So this was a big reason and he finally got his victory. So whatever the opening of the box office was he's like sitting back in his chair counting his money looking up like hundred dollar bills and that's that's post-pandemic tom cruise he does what he wants you know what i want to do i'm gonna fly a fucking jet in a movie and you know what he does he flies like six and in this movie he does so many stunts in very small pieces and uh a lot of close-up magic so speaking of pieces one of the things that tom cruise is famous for is running in movies he always loves to run in movies just (laughs) but if you watch this movie and you saw this movie where he's running in between the columns and it's not that far of a distance but it was very intimate because it was candlelit yeah yeah it was like the sexiest run between columns ever but the lighting was so soft and sensual it, it was the worst editing because you could see that it just didn't line up right. Like Tom Cruise can't do a 40 yard dash anymore. He can do a four yard dash. And so they cut like between every pillar because Tom Cruise is fucking getting old because there's no way in normal times when he was younger that he would cut those scenes. He must've just been like dragging ass. And the, and Christopher McQuarrie was like, Hey Tom, don't worry about it, man. Just run from pillar to pillar. And he could take a water break, and we'll get. We'll no, I, I, I do not believe you. I think that you're, you're, absolutely just sullying Tom Cruise's good name. This man has all the right moves, and like he, he, you know what? Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Two. He's gonna pull shit from every movie that's been fa- like famous box office hits, and even some of his old ones. So in the next one, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just wearing a dress shirt and he's fucking pantsless and he slides across the floor because he's in some fucking chase with the Russians. Yeah, I- I'm excited to see him fly a F-14 Tomcat down to the uh, new Red October, and I agree, he'll slide across the deck. <laughs> What else can he do? He's going to get into a race car, a legitimate race car. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, Robert Duvall. And he's going to throw him the keys. But he's going to draft. He's going to draft him first. Him. <laughs> like he's going to be driving behind Isai Morales, which is, what's his name again? I can't remember Isai Morales' name. Gabriel. Gabriel. He's going to be driving behind Gabriel. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get to the key first or whatever, like the, the sub. Because if you're not first, you're last. Yeah. He, he's driving behind him and then he's going to slingshot around him. Because the pull, the pull of the gravity will will just shoot him. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to open and close apps with his hands <laughs> during it, right? Oh, my God. This could go on forever. He's going to call an Uber and Jamie Foxx is going to roll up. Oh, my God. Oh, Collateral is an awesome movie, though. Such a good movie. So is Days of Thunder. Yeah, that cold trickle. What a beast. Dude, that's John C. Riley's first credit in a NASCAR movie. So I didn't even realize he was in that movie. I don't remember. Yeah, he, he's 100% in it all See, over the movie. So was he was he credited as Mike Concho? No, he was not. He was not. 
because they cut the butthole scene out. Okay. Tom Cruise was, that was in his early days of religion. It's very against it. So <laughs> I need to rewind back there because that's my favorite movie, or I'm sorry, the favorite line from that movie uh, when uh, Talladega Nights found Ricky Bobby when he's sitting there in a coma and John C. Riley's just like passionately speaking to him, making making a confession. It's like, but the line that gets me that hardly ever, like no one ever gets. Remember that time I went away to community college? <laughs> the fuck goes away to community college? Uh, like, well, I posed for Playgirl magazine. I did the spread. I mean, I mean spread. I pulled my butt apart and everything. I pulled my butt apart. It's my concho. Like the best, the best fucking line in that movie. I don't care the whole first or last garbage. I pulled my butt apart as Mike Honcho was the best line. So going back to that whole running scene, you saw it. You thought it was edited poorly, right? Because it looked like he was not running fluid that entire scene. He looked better running on top of the airport. Yeah, because probably wasn't him. But yeah, it was... I think they added the, the candles to distract you from the fact that he's just... They also were there in case he dropped dead, so then they had the funeral candles. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was meant to be very dramatic, and it it was just weird. I needed doves, like if there were doves running flying away with the candles, like I needed some pigeon action. I need something. Unfortunately, John Woo was not directing this. Uh, you know. I needed some face-off in it is what I needed. So Christopher McQuarrie, who is the director, I mean, do you like his other Mission Impossible? I think he's the best Mission Impossible director since De Palma. Whatever happens to De Palma anyways? He's just, he's getting old, man. I know, but like he was never invited back for the third or fourth. He may have been, but I mean, you're Brian De Palma. You don't do sequels. I don't know. Some would argue that Carlito's Way is like a sequel to something else. You don't do sequels with Tom Cruise. Only Al Pacino. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a sequel. He doesn't have the accent. He's not Cuban in Carlito's Way. True. True. Well, so Christopher McQuarrie, he's a director and, and him and Tom Cruise have been working a lot together. And I mean, he's, they're really like the one, two punch of the franchise. I think without him, he is not getting the, the action. He, he knows how to direct action very well. He knows how to direct Tom Cruise action very well. I mean, when you say Tom Cruise, action, just specifically his scenes. It had all of the Tom Cruise like staples and he hits him, he hits him hard. And, but that might be because Tom Cruise is a producer and has, like, all of the control over this movie, including release. Yep. Nope, not ready. Not ready. Not ready. Maybe. Not ready. Okay, now. Well, with their partnership, do you think it can continue on as Tom Cruise gets older? Because that's really what I want to talk about is Tom Cruise, There's you can tell that throughout COVID, you know, they had the the halting of filming and then that whole flip out. Um, and, and granted, he was very passionate about it because he just wanted to get the movie done and he wanted to make sure all of those mortgages and 
mouths he was feeding with this movie was made. So let's talk for a second about that. The Tom Cruise freak out. I think, I don't want to call it sane and, and necessary, but what other freak outs do we have to compare it to? You can't compare it to the Terminator Salvation one because that was nothing like it. Tom Cruise was, to your point, very passionate about the fact that I don't think you understand what I'm sacrificing and what this means to your craft. We know that it's successful. We know that it had a a great um, release, but I'll tell you, I went to see it Wednesday night after release. I, I went on the 12th, and you know, it was pretty empty. It was, yeah, it was. I had an open seat next to me. so I had an open row. Given I sit in the front row. You know me, man. It's true. 9A. Uh, 9A New Lennox. Anybody want to hit it up? Yeah. AMC. But it, it was, there was not, for an 8 p.m. show, the second day is out. Nobody. On a Wednesday, though, no one likes to go out to a movie on a Wednesday. Tom Cruise just did the Tuesday, Wednesday opening just to get a couple extra days. He always does that. He always likes to have that extra jump on the box yeah. office for that opening week number or weekend number. I, I've got to think that you could put more people in the in the theater when nobody's in school. All the college kids are out. All the high school kids are out, except the ones working at the theater. But this isn't for them. This is not for yeah. them. And that's one of the things that is interesting about Indiana Jones, which I've not talked any shit about, but it did not perform at the box office as expected. And I believe the Flash is outpacing it to to accurate, uh, or for my prediction, what I what I thought. But this movie is not for them. As Tom Cruise is getting older. We are getting older. The people that enjoy the first Mission Impossible older. And it's not like it's really grabbing new audience members. That's where it becomes a little bit concerning as this franchise gets a little bit older. So you have, what are some franchises that are aging or starting to age out or, or, you know, like Terminator was a perfect example. Now you can argue that the movies were garbage and that's why people didn't go out to see them but it's the movies were made for those fans and they just kind of you know went south after a long time mission impossible still on that but also tom cruise was always a bigger box office draw in comparison to pretty much anyone else that's out there now. Now, like I said, from our previous episode, we were talking about like the Fast and Furious franchise. And, you know, that's, it's so hard to see if this movie and Tom Cruise and, and Mission Impossible as a whole will even be worth it in the future. And like spinoffs, like I know they're setting Haley Atwell up for a spinoff, but I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I'm I'm interested to see that because I think Mission Impossible has aged better than a lot of those those franchises you're talking about. But oh, for sure, th- this I feel like these are the last two Tom's in, unless Tom takes the Kittredge role in the 
in the whole thing, which they're kind of setting him up to do, right? So good job, kid. Welcome to the club early, right? And he's that's the first time he's talked about the promise or the offer. Yeah. Right. And they made a big fucking deal about the offer. And they're making Kittredge the bad guy. Spoilers. But they're setting him up to be Kittredge. Is he the bad guy? He's paying off people, making people murdered, getting the director of national security killed. Like he's. See, so here's the. Let's discuss this. Because I said this movie is very confusing right from the jump if you're not like really into what AI is and and the controversy around that. But I think that scene on the train, and we're, we're skipping over a bunch of stuff, but I don't care. Uh, that scene on the train was super confusing to me because I couldn't tell that if Kidridge was the bad guy or he was just there acting on the U.S. government's behalf and the secretary is the true bad guy on that, which so he was. Yeah. Let me let me give you here. I'll make an analogy right now and, and more of an explanation of my earlier statement in that this is the Matrix Revelations. Okay. Kittredge is the Colonel Sanders, right? He's the 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 architect. Okay. Right. So he plays that role in this movie as the guy who's trying to win the battle and he's doing whatever and doesn't care about everybody else. And that that sentiment normally is the trope of the villain. Gabriel is the Merovingian. Okay. Time out. Yeah. Because I was confused. I'm still confused which movie you're talking about, but I think you're talking about Matrix Revolutions, right? Well, remember, it was Revelations, then Revolutions. There are two parts. What, what was it? Reloaded and Revolutions. Okay, then it's Reloaded. Wait, am I talking about the newest one? No, you're talking about a movie that doesn't exist. Revelations does not exist. Resurrections is the most recent one. Okay, too many R's. Reloaded, Revolutions, and then... So this is reloaded, and I'm assuming revolutions. Okay, so that because you're talking I, I about stress them together. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about I Matrix two and three. How about I, that? I forgot what the title was for the the last one, so I thought, oh, revelations. That's I what it is. I obviously did too. And so, but no, but but you were talking about two and three. I thought you were talking mm-hmm. about the most recent one. No, so no two and three. Okay. This this feels very much like two, right? Where where Gabriel is. Is is essentially the Mexican Merovingian, right? Mexican he's he's talking about all of these things that are going to happen, about the key, about all these things. This is this, this is that. In that club scene, all I'm thinking as I'm watching this is this is the club scene from the second Matrix movie. It's very close, and it stretches all these plot points and talks about all this they did an ai movie they've got very matrixy character roles in it tom cruise's neo Haley atwell's trinity they've got the key maker for the scissor i it's, it just it works and all of it 
leads and hits the same points. They keep telling Tom Cruise, no, no, your life doesn't matter. You can't, you can't die for us. You have to do this, this bigger purpose. It's the same thing they told Neo. It's, it's the Matrix too. Okay. I didn't even think about it because I don't know. I just didn't think of it. But yeah, I can totally see the comparison on that. Um, is that perturbing you? Is that making you irritated that we're doing a recycle of... I feel like Tom Cruise watched a lot of movies in early in the pandemic. It's just like, I like all these close-up magic in the Matrix. Let's go. Hunt for Red October. Love it. Classic. Ant-Man 2? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. So I can see... I mean, we were making fun of it before, but like, yeah, you're right. So you got a little bit of Matrix Reloaded in there. I agree. I agree with your your comparison. I, I the faces right. jumping from person to person is is so matrixy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. I think we're at a point now where there's so much content that's been made, being made, and will be made that just like music. Right, I think there's going to be a point where there's no true original ideas because everything has been done. And the ones that were done, obviously they were done fairly well and you might make a few tweaks on it. You change some character names, you know, gender swap or, or racial swap people and whatever, and that's what you get. And so I, I can't blame Tom Cruise, the writers, that they're doing like a Matrix Reloaded scene or Revolutions. Yeah whatever it is if they if he sacrifices himself like jesus in this movie because remember the matrix had very heavy religious overtones yeah and if tom cruise is like we should make this a scientology religion movie oh god like it, it's it could set up for that it could set up for all this crazy stuff depends on what the ai spit out i am not buying it at this point where the ai is the one controlling everyone like that doesn't make any sense to me i that's where i don't buy it was it weird that the mexican merovingian came out of his coffin and he had the full gas mask on that when he took it off it looked like the AI was talking to him in the Matrix language. I didn't notice that. It was I. It had the same predator noise. It was so. It's like, it's odd, bro. This is almost turning into like an episode of Black Mirror, where there's a few episodes of Black Mirror where AI is controlling, or very, very, or like even social media is controlling what people are doing in their actions. Yeah. And so now I have a. a deeper appreciation for it but it's also i still don't believe it but if you look at the way gabriel talks about it it's like he's been clockwork oranged yeah by this ai right with the with the eyes and the, the whole deal and this is what he believes but he, the actions he takes in the movie if you look at the subtlety he pulls his two knives out leaves him in the club cause and effect very matrixy. She takes the knives. He knows they're going to show back up, and he uses them. 
Not to kill the one who brought him, but the other one. He doesn't have a weapon on him. But he knows they'll come. Cause and effect. So you're telling me that, and I dig that that whole cause and effect thing. I think that's freaking awesome. But really? You're telling me that this AI is like, if you leave your knives at the club, you will kill the two bitches. Like, like what? Are you kidding me? So it, it if you look at the way they talk about it in the movie, it's talking about the most common outcomes. That's what all AI does. That's what ChatGPT sure. does. Yeah. If I say, hey, write me an email about this, it's grabbing the most common things. There you go. When you ask it for fettuccine Alfredo, it's giving you the most commonly used ingredients, putting it together. Here you go. So it's going to take the most common reactions and put them out there. They're going to bring a weapon. How does AI know the skill set of these individuals? They have dossiers. Remember, it scanned all of the intelligence stuff. All the intelligence networks and all of their profiles are there. So that kind of goes back to the airport scene where Haley Atwell and uh, Tom Cruise is going after Haley Atwell and Benji is going after the bomb. The You're telling me that Maybe not you specifically, but do you believe that the AI is guessing that Benji is and Luther are not going to tell Ethan what's going on and they just go after the bomb? It's so crazy to me. Look at it. Look at it this way. The AI is validating its data through all of those answers. So if you don't look at it as I know the answer, but I'm validating, which is a step. Right, that's a that's a troubleshooting step. Validate data in a in a situation that has very little impact. There's no bomb, so they don't get the answers right. I'm not blowing anything up. It's true, true. So all I'm doing is taking this as a step of validation, and that was pretty clear in the in the movie, right? Like they, that's it's really like that scene in Heat where they all go out to the the little shipyard. And uh, Al Pacino is like, they're watching us. <laughs> it's just like so ridiculous. But okay, I guess. Oh. Tell me how this starts, though. Give me your opinion as to how this starts. So Mexican Merovingian, sexy Isai Morales is just like sitting in a cyber cafe one day. And then his computer starts to talk to him. Is that how it starts? So he's a known rogue right he's a known uh, for lack of a better word mercenary well if it if it hits him up for money i mean this is a, a controversial example but look at all the dumbasses who believe in the QAnon thing look at the entire state of florida those people <laughs> not are the entire state i live in florida i'm not <laughs> you're not there right now Okay. So the entire state. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, these people are all influenced by words on a screen. There is no action. There is no meetup. There is no anything. There's words on a screen that influence the weaknesses 
and I say weaknesses because that's just the way I see it, right? The the soft, the soft uh, spots, the insecurities, however you want to think about it. But that those words influence and and encourage. Words have always influenced and encouraged. Who cares if they're coming from a person or from an entity? I would think that a mercenary like him isn't going to be like buddy, buddy or blindly follow AI. I don't think he's blindly following. I think it's cold and calculating just like him. So if you're a mercenary, you don't have like a North Star. You don't say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. You're not waking up uh, looking to make the world a better place. You're just an agent of chaos. And what better thing to influence chaos than a tilted AI that's blowing up Russian submarines in the Bering Sea while scissoring? Maybe. Maybe the Russian sub was just payback because the the AI, the entity, was just like, subs suck. You know what? I hated hated Hunter Red October 2. And uh, yeah, like fucking blow these guys up. I mean, that was a Ukrainian hard drive, all right? It was a Ukrainian hard drive. That's what did it all. So obviously, the whole theme, the whole recycling of movies throughout this entire movie mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like uh there's so much to talk about i mean we could go balls deep into ai we could go into the action but let's talk about some of the characters that we have not discussed such as Haley atwell's character who mm-hmm. is essentially catwoman I, it could be i thought she was a pirate because she was wearing a puffy shirt uh very, someone in an interview said very david bowie yeah yeah for sure she was dancing the I I thought at some point they made did you see the interview where she went back and forth on magic dance with somebody? No. Oh, she they went back and forth word for word on Labyrinth, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I really like Haley Atwell. Uh I think I, I do have a slight problem with her character because she does seem a little helpless at some times where I get it. There's some scary shit going on. And she's like kind of frozen in fear. Like when the butt or the train is hanging off the cliff or whatever. Yeah. And she's like hanging on to him. Uh, I thought that was funny, but it, it does help with her being a little bit more charming and a likable character because she was kind of like a, a bitch right off from jump. Right. You kind of don't want to like her. But you do because it's Haley Atwell. You know, that's she's she's a thief, she's a double crosser, you can't trust her. So I, I don't know. I feel like y- they played her off as like a, a stone cold not killer, but a businesswoman. She's there to steal shit, and that's what she's down to do, and she's good at it, and she can pick pocket and she can put pocket. The the trouble I had with her character is when she has that turn in her conscience where it's like, oh no, I I want to be a good guy and I want to be a part of the IMF. Like 
I don't know. Did you have any issues with kind of her her allegiance to the IMF and Ethan and the team? I I think in this movie she does the most acrobatic character arc because she's constantly flip flopping. Yeah. I mean, and that that's annoying. That to me, but like when she puts the mask on and negotiates, like, um, she negotiates her own immunity. Like, shut up. And Kittredge, how do you not know? I mean, she did have different color eyes, that's for sure. But so I liked, and let's let's talk about Vanessa Kirby hand in hand on that. So I like Vanessa Kirby. And I like her just aura of like, I'm a powerful bitch. You know, I don't bow down to anybody and I've run this bitch. This is my house. I run smart tech. (laughs) (laughs) I I love how powerful she is in this movie. And Haley Atwell is like a different type of powerful. But when she goes into the whole spy thing, I don't know, man. She goes very... She goes from very confident being a spy and running away from police authorities, um, fighting with people, and then all of a sudden, I'm scared. I'm kind. Of, I, I'm not comfortable with the situation. Yeah, she goes into the Gabriel fight like I got knives, and then she is. I she gets really scared really quick. So it. I agree that it kind of throws off a bit. And I think that her, I I don't know if they wrote it to have both, to have, to keep both female characters alive. And then they didn't. So they had to take on both traits. I, I don't know. It, it's weird to me in that way. Like I felt like maybe the stuff that Haley did that was scared, she was supposed to do. But the other, like, strong parts of it maybe should have been the character they killed off. Yeah. With, and you bring up a point with Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust, uh, with her dying. I want to go back to that bridge fight scene. So. It was so, I, I thought it was dumb. You thought it was dumb. Nobody has a gun. Did they have their guns taken? Well, they didn't go in there with guns. They're they're spies. Yeah, but they didn't go in there with guns because they got frisked. I mean, they could have figured something out in between the the beginning and the end. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with not having guns. She got a fucking samurai sword. Yeah, but that was from Mantis's walking stick or whatever. I'm just saying other people there had guns. So let's let's talk about the trio of the women right there and, and the and the bridge scene kind of all all in one. So let's start with with Mantis with Palm in this. Yeah. Oh my god, best female character in the movie. Scary badass. Yes, I enjoyed her. I I don't want to say I was surprised because I've always liked her as an actor, but the the way that she was able to just be terrifying amazing she needs to be a villain in more movies she took the i mean i have no problem with mantis but she took the dopey role 
she has so much range for villainy. I, I need to see it. Is there a DC villain role we can give her? <laughs> well, there was, you'd have to give her like Katana, which was like a shitty fucking um, in, in Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, what if you give her, um, oh, who was it? I don't remember the name of the character, but if you remember Batman the Animated Series, there was like the ninja chick that had a giant like lion that followed her around or whatever. That was part of the crime syndicate. I, I didn't really watch that much. I'm convinced that the right way to save the, the DCEU is for them to just take the scripts from Batman the Animated Series and make it an in-person series. Someone said, I ever heard that on like an interview I, with someone. I, I saw it on the Bram and I am a million percent behind it. <laughs> it's not an original idea. Not my idea, but I'm on board. I I agree with your sentiments a hundred percent in Plum Pom Pom Clementif's portrayal of her character. Terrifying. Like legitimately, like this this chick is batshit crazy. The white makeup with the this with the pipe scraping. Yeah. It's like she's sick. She's sick. And then she dies. That kind of stuff. But man, she gave Tom Cruise a run for his money and she took a licking and kept on ticking, which was really awesome because you know, typically you see like the strong badass females get, get their ass handed to him by the heroes. Oh, he slapped me. I fell down. Uh, no. She was pipe beating the yeah. shit out of that guy. Just It was also believable though because there was someone else on the other side. Now, I had a slight problem with that scene because there's a little bit, there's drama being built up and you already hear from Gabriel. One of those women are going to die. You're going to choose which one's going to die. And he didn't really choose, right? Ethan did not choose. I, I didn't think about that. I was too distracted in that scene by the fact that both of the doors that they closed had vertical spikes and nobody used them to fucking kill anybody. And I was like, somebody is getting the spike to the neck. No spike to the neck. Nothing. I, so the drama's building up there, but I after the scene was done, I was like, well, wait a second. He was supposed to choose of who's going to live or die. And he never did. But I did like the fact because I'm like, oh, no, they're going to kill Ilsa. Like, this is where I knew for sure, like, she's dead. She's not going to be alive for another scene. She is dying right there. Didn't he infer that Elsa needs to keep Haley safe? He said that, I think, but... That was his choice then walk me back through that scene because she fought Ga uh, I mean sorry I'm sorry Haley Atwell's character uh, Grace she was fighting Gabriel which didn't make any sense because why did she go after him or he stumbled upon her I can't remember she was escaping and he was waiting on the bridge that's what it was okay and then she decided instead of turning around to 
pull out knives and confront this obviously yeah. superior secret agent man. Yes. Which, okay. But at that point, the AI laid this out to Gabriel and he's like, one of them's gonna die. Who you gonna pick? And he's just waiting there on the bridge. But so, because, okay, so his choice was telling Ilsa, you go after her. And that was his choice. He could have gone after her instead. So when Tom puts a member of his team on a mission, they put the success of the mission above their own life. We need her because she can get us the keys. You're useless with keys, bitch. No keys for you. All right. No scissoring for you. Okay. How many we're gonna have a scissor count on this episode? How many times can we reference scissors? When it comes to that fight, I love the fact that they brought the call back to her kind of standing triangle, like flying arm bars that she was trying to pull onto Gabriel, which is awesome because that's something that she did in uh, the fifth Mission Impossible. She's beating his ass. But going back to Haley before she got knocked the fuck out, I love the fact that she she's has one knife in one hand, feels the need to display the other knife before she flips the switch on it. So it's like, I've got another knife. I'm going to stab you with this one. Like instead, she could have just been super secretive, like, and then just yeah. stabbed him right there. And uh, nope. Did not happen. Well, what she was trying to do is just make the knife appear with close-up <laughs> magic. She that was that she didn't practice that one. I, I like seeing women that are a like an imposing figure in an action movie, whether they're good, bad. I like that because it's not just dudes running around with M60s and just fucking mowing people down. It's like, okay, this person's got some skill, this person's got some flair. And um uh, it's very similar to the Matrix where Trinity had her scorpion kick or like the little uh, mm-hmm. like crane jump kick. She had the Rey Mysterio kind of Hurricane Rana type things. So. Yeah, that is exactly. I was, I was like, WWE, what? It's cool. And Black Widow did it a lot in, in the movies. It's a, it's a female power move. Yeah. Strong class. It's a good move. So Palm Clementine, we were in agreement. Badass. Awful that she died in that, correct? Waste of a character. I don't know that it's a waste. I think that it speaks to Ethan's humanity, but it also like how many how many bad guys are you gonna fit in a sub? But do you buy that she went and saved Ethan? So the AI knew that she was going to save him off the train dangling what the ai said is that she would help him because he spared her life i don't know man i just feel like this ai and following ai is fucking dumb so here's the question did the ai tell gabriel to say that to ensure that it happened 
and create a self-fulfilling prophecy? Or if Gabriel didn't say it, does she do it? And was it in the AI's best interest to ensure that Tom survived, knowing that for them to find and release the AI, Tom needs to be alive so he can scissor key it? I feel like I, I see what you're doing here. I, but couldn't we just do this about every movie? Like the whole choice and. But there's no AI in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it wouldn't just be as, it wouldn't be as fun because. It's <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. So you're saying, does Maverick break left if Goof doesn't say break left? Like, yeah. I, yeah I that doesn't work as well. Yeah. I'm, but, but. Ant-Man 2 finger magic. Well, well, so we, we we came to a conclusion that Haley Atwell's she does a hard right in terms of character change and development in art, right? I think that's a good thing. I think so because you're doing two movies and she's gonna be central to the second movie, I think it's worth it. Okay. I think it's good. I think it's good. I like her and I like her character, so I'm I'm okay with it, but I will say that. I have an issue with it because I can change people's opinions on things pretty quick, but I can't change their personality and how they act. You know, she went from like being fearless to being shitting in her pants. Stress just crazy things. I guess. I want to back up a minute. I want to back up a minute because you talked back about... Terry? Oh, I, I, so you talked about some of the some of the callbacks and there's one we didn't talk about and one that was that happened right before the train scene one tell me they didn't steal the the italian job scene with the fiat yeah no i I take that back so yes but you know what they stole more and i bet you either tom cruise was pissed when he saw it was they actually stole that Italy scene from Fast Ten because they they totally had a fucking destroy Rome type of car chase yeah. scene. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, if Tom Cruise saw Fast X, he must be so pissed right now. Like, how dare you, how dare you pick that same location? Here's the other thing that that about that scene before it even started that threw me off. It's the spy net car that's a computerized car. Are you telling me the AI didn't just like, oh, no, Tom, I'm going to turn your car off? Yeah, that's a little too fast. Uh, that's a little too fate of the furious. Sorry. So, um, yeah, they can't do that. They can't do that because they just did that in fate of the furious. And- I'm just saying, like, that whole scene to me, because it not because... It couldn't happen, but because the car was an automated computer control car, if it had keys and gas, I wouldn't say a damn thing, but because it was in the system, (laughs) it shouldn't have even happened. Gabriel should have been able to say, take care of this for me and shut that thing down. Speaking of what, what is their conversations like? Like, seriously, it's like, hey, AI, what do you want me to do today? And, like, does he type on a keyboard? Does he talk to it? And it's like he no, speaks it's, to, like, some random speaker in the background. I got the perfect I got the perfect analogy for it. It's like Han and Chewie. 
he speaks English. It goes <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And he's he's got it. I wonder if I'm I'm getting the impression that sometimes you get the impression of me that I hate everything just because I'm critiquing it. So I feel like the listeners feel that way too. Comment, put it in there, send us a tweet, hit us up on threads, let us know. I didn't think about that. I'm old. No one ever does. So I'm right. Is it me? Is that why? If Danny says it, will you do it? Oh man. They there is a a fine line between what you're saying and also like is it a critique or is it a bashing of the movie right because there's a difference between like hey this is paying homage or like hey you know what they're trying to mimic what they did in these other movies or is it just a complete ripoff so what what are you saying i would like to know before we get to the end of this podcast i would like to know if you, what you're saying so that way i'm not getting worked up as to what we're discussing is this a ripoff or is this just they're conveniently recycling a lot of familiar and convenient plot points and dialogue and action scenes from other movies? So what's the difference between a ripoff and a convenient repetition? Some of it is just like, you know what? I am ripping this off from these movies because it was successful and I'm going to repeat that. Whereas... Hey, let, you know what? This worked in that movie. Let's do something similar to it. There's a difference between ripping them off and, you know, flattery. You know, yeah, the, the difference is malice. And I, I, I'm i never going to take the, and this is just a me thing, I'm never going to just outwardly believe that people are being malicious. I'm going to say that they really didn't take the time to think how much this aligns to this. Like, it's a lot of I, I'm not trying to see. Yeah, there's it's a there's some parallels. A lot of yeah. there's more parallels in this than the suit Robin Thick wore in in uh, in blurred lines. They were they were inverted. Yeah. Oh, scissor. Uh, my wife is gonna be super pissed that I'm doing that with same, her. Like, same, <laughs> but for completely different reasons. By the way, my wife really hesitates when i because it's a slow <laughs> scissoring oh. i'm like I'm like i'm just like looking at her hoping that she makes a connection and then, is she gonna be mad that we just get right to it <laughs> yeah we we just have to cut right to the chase quick oh. scissors mm. sad thing <laughs> is sad thing is it's probably gonna be the only scissoring podcast because you can't scissor on zoom oh man all right Come on, from your critique, is this just your observation or is this a, I don't like this, this is not good. Talk to me after the second movie. If they, no, 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 because no. you're going to tell us at the end of this movie if you can do this all day. I, I understand that. I understand that. But you're asking me about frustration, not about opinion of the movie. When it comes to homage or very similar arcs right this movie we're only getting the up we got a small pause like i thought and, and this is 
completely out of order of when I should talk about it. I thought they landed the plane well in this movie to then do the next one. But talk to me when I see where the arc ends. If the arc ends with considerable parallels to the takeoff, then I'll be more frustrated than not. I do think that the reason that I identify these parallels is because I have watched these movies a lot, like repetitively. Those Matrix two and three, I like them. I oh, really? I, I was I was a fan of those. I watched them a lot because I enjoyed the undertones and the, I like just trying to see what the filmmakers are really trying to say. So I enjoyed those movies. I like that I see those because I liked those. But if they do the same damn thing, it's not better than The Matrix because The Matrix did it first. And I think it was unique enough to where you can't, I don't think the, the tones in The Matrix reflect into a real world situation. Okay. And and I like this. I like the AI as a as a driver of plot because it has this cold feeling to it, but it's not it's not a deadly cold. Like it hasn't made the decision to be the terminator yet. There's a lot about this movie that we talked with the plot, the action, Tom Cruise. We we talk a lot about the movie as a whole but specifically ethan hunt tom cruise what are your thoughts on him as the character what are some of your opinions as you're watching this as hey ethan hunt still got it um i don't understand where he's coming from like what are you thinking i think tom cruise owns this role i think that because he's played it for so long he just, that's who you see. And I think because of that, you just accept. I accept. You know, I mean, you know he's getting older. You know Tom's getting older. But just like the Indiana Jones movies, nobody else is Indiana Jones but Harrison Ford. So I liked it. I thought he did a good job. Tom is excellent at being a movie star and at being an action star. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think that he's lost a step or anything. I thought just the editing on that scene was shitty. And I think that the scene itself went on too long, much like the run went on for too long. Okay. So what about, well, let me, let me give you my opinion on Tom Cruise. Like, absolutely. He is the spy. Like, you can put him up against James Bond and just be like, okay, who would win in a no-holds-barred match? And you which, know what? Which James Bond? Let's 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 do that right now. Let's do a triple threat spy no-holds-barred cage match. Okay. You've got Daniel Craig's James Bond. You have Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt. And... Who's the third? Uh, Sean Connery? No, no, I was going to try and go with another, another you want a spy. current spy? Yeah. Jason Bourne? Okay, yeah, Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. Who's winning? Who's walking out of that cage match? Is there a gun? 
no gun, metal fencing. That's it. James Bond is in a suit with dress shoes. Ethan Hunt is wearing a leather jacket, black pants, and a really tight white t-shirt. And, and Jason Bourne is wearing a like khakis and a sweater. Yeah, a pullover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got Jason Bourne. I agree. God damn it, Jason Bourne was fucking. Yeah, sweet. I was like, I was like, I made a poor choice. I should have picked like, um, I don't remember the Taken guy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who also probably would have won. Shit. <laughs> um, Jason Statham in the transporter. Transporter. Fuck that, man. I feel like they would have killed the transporter. Yeah, well, sure. But uh, is there? Here's the question in this thing: Are they? They're just in a cage. It's not a cage on some sort of vehicle. There's no <laughs> falling involved or zero gravity. No need to repel. Do they get any toys? Uh, there is a hammer, a Bible, and a pair of Adidas sneakers. Oh, you got to go with Daniel Craig. Because mm. he's European and knows how to work those Adidas's. I mean, if James Bond kicks that much ass in dress shoes, put him in some, some joggers. <laughs> he's fucking your shit up. Dude, so if you remember from, I think it was the third Born movie, Born fucks someone up with a book. I've And you know what? I'll be honest with you. After I saw that movie, I wanted to... So I wanted to fight, pick a fight with someone and have a book in my hand just so I can hold it up to the face and punch it like Jason Bourne did and like jab it in their fucking throat. So cool. I think, be, and I put the Bible in there because <laughs> I wanted to use it because I want Jason Bourne to win. Uh, that would be the case. Is it is it bad that I've been, the, I, I did not strike the blow nor hold the book, but been in the room when somebody got a concussion by somebody punching them through a phone book in the head. Jesus. True story. And it was done live on the radio. Ooh. Wait, it, give me some context with uh, this. For, for legal reasons, I cannot go any deeper. Okay. But this is someone you know, or just like some rando? It, it was it was in high school, so okay. my, the the league the, the the um what's the statute of limitations. yeah the statute of limitations may have passed, but we did a lot of dumb things. But my high school had a radio station. Oh, oh, get the fuck! That's like saying, oh, I was, was going to say that's like us saying we have a podcast. But uh, <laughs> same, yeah, no, I hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, okay, all right. I think I think you're safe, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, with all the shenanigans and joking aside, yeah, Tom Cruise, we can agree. Thumbs up, can't do any wrong. Um, what about so Haley Atwell? Are we at a thumbs up on her? I have nothing wrong with Haley. I'm at like a a 45 degree angle thumbs up on that because I like her. I lo- she cannot do any wrong. I love her. And she, when she's on, she's on. She's got the that charming personality. 
but also it is it's i cannot look past her 180 of being scared and i'm fucking confident here's my switchblade <laughs> you know like that's it's a very hard yeah, turn i think that you're you're thrown off because in the first scene she's in she's very cavalier and pompous with her attitude because she's like i'm the best bumper in the world but then you put her in situations that she constantly gets beat and realizes that she's not playing in the same league anymore, sure. right? This is not a triple-A fastball. We're in the majors. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, 45 degrees. Okay, that's fine. You, you can... you yeah. can... Sexy Isai, Mexican Morales. Um, you mean the Mer- Mexican Merovingian? Sorry. <laughs> the Mexican Merovingian. <laughs> he's, I feel like he's not even present in the movie. Like, he has a few scenes... They flash his face a lot, but he's a plot device. He's basically the only way that they can make the audience hear the wishes of the entity without subtitling what the predator voice of the entity is. I will go out on a limb here and say second best villain in the Mission Impossible franchise series. Uh, behind the villain in five. God, he was so fucking good in five. You're like, oh. But uh, his his charisma... Oh, no, 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 I take that back. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. He would be number three. Because, I'm sorry, Philip Seymour Hoffman, number one. How are you leaving John Boyd out of this? I, no. no. Best movie. Best movie. Not the best villain. Philip Seymour Hoffman in three. Fucking amazing. You were terrified of that guy. And you thought, like, you were scared that, all right, either Ethan or the wife is going to die. And there's, like, nothing you can do about it. So Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah, this is this is not the ranking anymore. But, yeah. Isam Ross, Mexican Merovingian, he's up there, I, I think, in my opinion. Because he has the intimidating stature stone cold face but also at the same time it's like what the fuck is he up to like what is he gonna do right now? so he's javier bardem in the bond movie i didn't think he was that great i can't we don't have enough time for me to fight you about that I, i don't know why you brought him up you brought up a fucking bond movie because he was a, it, it, there's parallels. Is it because he's there's Spanish? That why, that's why you brought him up. Is just because he was Spanish? No, because he was an intimidating force that just you didn't know where he was going or why, and just there for chaos. Yeah. Some men just like to watch the world burn. No. So I, I there's something that I can't not talk about anymore, and it's the train scene from the bum 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 bum. Like I was like. Well, they're going to have a top of the train fight like the first movie. Let's go. And then that tunnel was way too long. And then they magically found that the the train had been sabotaged. Oh. And then they do the most obvious thing in the world. Detach the train. But then they start having to escape the falling train. 
Mm-hmm. Not one, not two, not three, maybe four. Like they- that train was the energizer bunny of falling trains. It just kept going and going and going. I can understand where you're coming from. I didn't have a problem with it because I was I was like thinking to myself like god how many times is that going to happen? I will I will to that thought though. I will say that the ending was kind of you know anticlimactic of like you know they're they're going through the different the different scenes and then it just cuts to a, a shot of him and Ailey Atwell just standing at the edge like well also that's down to that's pretty far I I don't know how much train riding you do and I've never been on the Orient Express never been but I cannot imagine a passenger rail train that does not have the furniture secured to the floor the only thing tied down is the fucking piano. Interesting thought. I never thought about it. Oh my god! Look out for the furniture. No, no. Fucking Amtrak, Metra. That shit is bolted to the floor. Yeah, and I guess thinking of it like from a a plane too. Planes bolted to the floor, like all the seats and everything. So okay, I can see your point on that. Yeah, every single moving transport vehicle what happens if they go up a fucking hill oh we're up a hill oh no no. it's a bar car i'm too drunk i knocked over this whole couch that's liability okay all right i see your point that's funny it makes no sense also they did the scene from jurassic park 2 or Jeff Goldblum's yeah. falling. Same scene. Yeah, good call. The so that scene though, I I really like the fact that you didn't know who's who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. My interpretation of that scene is that Kittredge is not a bad guy. He is there just to get that key because they want that key. The secretary, he's a bad guy because he's like, fuck this, let's. You know he's he's in cahoots with with the bad guy, but I didn't understand it because then he ends up dying. Well, he gets killed because he's too pompous. But I think the but it's not because he's just too pompous. Like they, uh, Gabriel you... kills him for a reason, so nobody can possess the AI. In that in that instance, if that's his his motivation to kill, I'm down with that because I feel like wanting to possess and control the entity is what a villain would want to do and they don't want to do it to make it available to all mankind and make things better they want to crush other countries and powers they want to be the all-powerful everything and that is the same reason that communism fails because one person wants power and they want to be above where everybody should be equal. Okay. But why why can't the am I missing something? Why can't the AI just do all this stuff? I mean, she already is, right? So 
I think they want to access the source source code to Ultron it, right? To influence its whatever. Yeah, it is whatever, because I, I'm still kind of not sure what the plot is uh, or the motivations of the AI and why it can't do things, but it can certainly do some other things. And, and but the remember, master. there's two options. There's destroy it or try and harness it. They want to Oppenheimer that bitch. They want to drop bombs on people. Yeah. All right. So... We talk, well, Vanessa Kirby. We did not talk about Vanessa Kirby all that much. I don't even remember her character's names. But Vanessa Kirby, uh, we I talked to her about, about her a little bit. Uh, what did you think about her as a character? And do you think she's coming back for the next one? The is, White Widow? Yeah, is there really a reason? For I, I, I don't care. Like, yeah. plot device for me. Kittridge's okay. old buddy. I remember you when you were this big. Yeah, it was like a, stupid it was stupid it was stupid and that the only reason is because he needed to say you're not the white widow like that's the only reason why he said uh the, i remember you when you were this big like mm-hmm. that's i don't know because you have to make it seem like which by the way she did an excellent job trying to play Haley atwell playing her i thought that was really yeah really solid yeah, you could see the fear and the that was Travolta quality, not Nick Cage quality. <laughs> oh, Jesus, oh, such a. This is what you get when you listen and watch the "I Can Do This All Day" podcasts. References to so many movies and actors and actresses that are in completely different. Places. I feel like this is also what you get when you watch Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Yeah, references yeah. to so many other movies. Oh, I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. It's like this is what you signed up for, kids. This is all about this movie. But okay, so I'm 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 gonna thumbs up on Vanessa Kirby just because of her her portrayal, and there's she has more range than <laughs> than Isai Morales in this movie. So um, well, he's meant to be the AI. Calm. Yeah, I, I like him in this movie. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It's just she she's just very versatile. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, you know who we haven't really talked about a lot or really at all in this podcast is Luther and Benji they do their thing the th- you you want to know what really throws me off about this is Luther needs to go lock himself in a room yeah right he needs to Kevin Smith it in uh die hard I don't know which one live free or die hard he needs to go to his mom's basement and figure out how to best the computer it's he's very, gotta pull out his apple too it's very dramatic though right he's like Ethan this is where I leave you I need to go in a dark room with the gimp with no <laughs> no internet <laughs> it's, like, it's like you should have just kept on like saying all of the specific instances that he needs like in a dark room no internet no tv nothing no so, windows and no doors so i can't watch my favorite tv show <laughs> golden girls i can't do it because the ai will find me like because it knows that I love me some fucking Blanche. And I'm not just talking about the salad dressing. I'm talking about the white lady. 
<laughs> it just keeps going on. That should be in like the outtakes where he just keeps on talking. And talk. I would listen to that. But you know what? That I, might be better than the ads at the at the end of Talladega Nights. <laughs> uh, Blackhawk nine thousand. Big Rames is looking old. He's <laughs> just he is. Uh, he is certainly old. Uh, Marcellus Wallace okay. is not young. I mean, he was born up. in 1959. I can't do math. The hell kind of number is that? God damn it. You just fucking tell me an age, all right? I don't do this math stuff. I've been out of school Luckily, for 20 years. We all have calculators. Something that our seventh grade teachers might have said, you, you're never not going to have never, that. You're never going to have those. He's only 64. Yeah, that's not, but he is looking. I mean, he's looking old. You know, the pandemic aged us all, even Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. Does he look like a bitch, though? He does not look like a bitch, except he's kind of running away to a dark room with no contact like a bitch. So that means he's just going to come in right at the very end with. A TI with a TI-89 calculator and a rotary phone and like a pair of nunchucks. And he's like, I got the tool to beat the AI. No, he's going to have a Game Boy Color, bro. Get it right. Okay. Get it right. And, it, it, oh gosh, he'll say like, I'm glad I locked myself in my dark room. Although I did miss watching my favorite Golden Girl show. <laughs> like, I think Rames is going to show up and say, I want to play thermonuclear war, bitch. Oh, God. Um, I did like Benji's, you know, he he goes in on it, you know, like he's he tries to be alpha in this movie, which is cool. It, it I do like that they gave that character Simon Pegg some more range to work with. Right. And they made him more of like a complete agent. Yeah. As opposed to just the guy in the chair, mm-hmm. he was—he's way more effective than Emilio was. Yeah, Emilio, <laughs> Emilio. Uh, I would have liked it. Well, I take that back. I wouldn't have liked it, but I think it would have been more of a plot driver if they didn't say it was a nuclear bomb, because I knew you say it's a nuclear bomb. Well, obviously, it's not going to go off. Like, there's no stakes at that. They're going to find out. I don't know. I didn't watch the trailer, so it could have. No, no, no. He said it was a nuclear bomb. So if it's a nuclear bomb. So when you said, you know, it's not going to go off, like, you know, things are happening later. He's filming the trailer. Oh, right. Yeah. But you know damn well that, oh, this will kill everyone in this airport. Like, okay, well, obviously it's not going off. Unless they get in a refrigerator. Didn't you see Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? Nope, I didn't. And you know what? I'm not going to see The Dial of Destiny. So you're going to miss out. I miss out on popcorn and candy. I'm 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 honestly sad you're not going to see it because there's, I would, I would love that conversation. I feel like the journey that they go on is ripe for our discussion. We'll cut that for another episode, but the, there's no risk, but if they would have said, like, Ethan, there's a bomb, it's, I can keep it contained, but I don't think there's a way I can defuse this. Like, there would be more of a stake there. And you know what? If Benji would have died there, 
tell me you would not be like immediately hooked as to like oh what the fuck are we dealing with here and then that way you know when it reveals itself to be ai you're just like oh what the fuck you know nobody wants to kill simon Pegg. no but i don't want him to die but i would have been more invested as to like oh my god how are they going to to solve this and instead i was like well they're gonna figure this one out somehow i don't know how but they're gonna figure it out well it only had 120 million possible answers yeah and they're so stupid. unless they figured out it was a wordle because that's how they solved it in the end he's like oh wait there's a word oh i can spell that he I'm, basically won it wordle i'm glad that people don't post their wordle shit on facebook anymore i'm so glad like <laughs> i was so fucking irritated with people posting that like word 37 or day 39 like get the fuck out of here no one cares about your stupid puzzles yeah no now it's all about the immaculate grid i don't even know what that is and you don't even know any of the answers to it either good baseball as long as you guys aren't posting on facebook i'm fine with that i don't post anything on facebook i was gonna try and say something like that Mm. Um, okay so we talked about the cast We've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, the music. Something we did not talk about the, it was the music. Did you like the hard-driving Mission Impossible theme? I love the mission theme. especially. With, so I didn't notice the music much. I didn't like pay attention until I'm like, they're on the top of the train. They're going to do the thing. They're going to do the thing. They did. And I was very happy about it. Uh, do you ever feel like they shouldn't do the opening to Mission Impossible like that because they show stuff that happens. Like it gives, it's a trailer essentially. The credits is a trailer. Like, do you ever feel like, I don't want to see those scenes in the movie because you know something like that's going to happen? Mm. No, it doesn't bother you. Don't care. It, it, it hasn't spoiled anything for me, but <clears throat> I feel like not a good move. I'll be honest, I don't, I've zoned out at that point. I was writing notes. <laughs> okay. You're like, like oh, some submarine. Oh God, I, like I want to talk about this, and so. Well, I'm yeah. I wanted to say I, I think that I'm kind of preconditioned from all the Bond movies where, like, they do the open scene and then they go to the the opening, but this isn't sung by like Eartha Kitt or Adele. It's yeah. just you know, boom, boom. Okay, well, I think we've gone a little deep in the movie probably deeper than some may think but i've got a question for you mark before we before we do that one more thing i want to ask your opinion about okay hold on because and then so before we go i have one more thing i want to answer your question about or before we go any further i have one more thing that i want to get your opinion about because this is not the first movie we've seen this year that is part one. How did you feel about the way they left it? They gave you the Kittredge monologue. They they did the 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 whole wipe of gotta go back to the the Titanic submarine, right? How did you feel about how they closed it? Because we saw the the Spider Verse movie, and they did. A similar, like, ooh, evil, evil Miles in his evil Jordans. How did you feel about 
how they closed this as a part one because they announced it was a part one when they thanked you for coming. And I knew it was a part one, unlike the Spider-Verse one. I wanted to see it, but thoughts? Across the Spider-Verse had me excited in my theater yelling out, let's go! You know, that was, they had the entire Spidey roster ready for fucking battle, ready to take the bad guys on. They didn't do that in this movie. They should have. Mm -hmm. Because then we as an audience would have been thinking like, Man, it's a bummer that the bad guys are are ahead right now. But you know what? They're restocked, reloaded. Haley Atwell is part of the, They should have had a roster of people coming up. And you know what could have worked out is you have Ethan, Benji, and Luther. Or actually, not even maybe not even Luther. Just Ethan and Benji standing there as Kittredge is talking to them. And then Luther comes up from the back. Haley comes up or uh, Grace comes up from the back and then or maybe someone else or maybe it's just mm-hmm. them but those two are like the last two pieces and then boom ends to the credits music pumps and then you're good there's no there's no build-up and there's no roster of people like we're the good guys we're ready to go to take on evil we are going to win this day there's nothing I don't need the roster I loved it really I because it was so Rod Serling I was just like, okay, they're going to do the voiceover. This, if you choose to accept it, but it was, I, I was like, this is better. They're foreshadowing. They're, they're giving it to you. They're reminding you. They're giving it from Kittredge. I, I was, I liked it. I thought it was better. Okay, that's. I figured you'd have a different opinion. That's why it was my last point. Because I just I thought that they set it up to where you kind of knew, and they reminded you that they were going to have to get in some kind of small submersible to get down to this sub, because that's obviously the safe thing to do in 2023. I thought that was another thing too. It's like, yeah, like bad timing. Bad timing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but since timing is of the essence. I've got a question for you, Mark. Can you do Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, all day? I feel like that's a hard question to answer because we're talking about half of a movie. So far, I like it. I'll watch it again. But that answer very much change if the second one sucks so i will say for now i can do this all day by the look on your face it looks like you have something to say i think it's the answer to a very important question dan can you do this movie all day mission impossible the series i've been able to say that i can do this all day now this particular movie i had a lot of fun i had so much fun and there's a lot of like like angst and anticipation of i don't know what's going to happen next with the exception of the whole nuclear bomb in an airport never gonna happen sorry you can't say bomb in an airport yeah exactly and you can't have one go off in a movie either so it's never gonna happen maybe maybe that's why 
Benchy didn't get on the horn to Ethan because you can't say bomb in an airport. He, he probably just thought because like, <laughs> we can't blow up a bomb in an airport anyway, so I'll be fine. I don't have to tell him. But I loved the action. I love the choreography. The Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. Solid. And a very solid bad guy. Weak driver of the AI. I have a real big problem with, hey, sexy Isai, Mexican Merovingian Morales, I need a friend. Will you help take over the world for me? I am the entity, please. Like, this is like Vicky from Small World. But I think that's the problem. Your vision of AI is one of a kind of bumbling... This no, is it's not. This is an all-encompassing. I just don't believe the fact that if if something pops up on your phone right now saying, "Mark, I need you to rob a bank right now, or I will blow your fucking house up." What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? No, I'm asking you. You can't ask me. I, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I don't read text right away, so my house will blow up. Okay. Well, there you go. So, do you think a spy mercenary is gonna read that it's like huh. and like chuck his phone or he's be like huh? what do you mean i don't want my house to be blown up uh what i think you're discounting the influenceability of people who don't have allegiance or faith but he has faith in ai doesn't make sense he respects the power that the AI has. But he needs validation as to what that is. How do you know that he hasn't seen it? That happened off screen. But exactly. That There's nothing on screen. As me as an audience member, that's why I can't buy it. I think the possibilities, the, the, the multiple outcomes are the part that gives it real threat. Oh, man. That's like saying, Jesus is telling me to end this podcast right now. Like, that's just not... The guy who loves Terminator to this, you're really having a hard time with the with perceiving Judgment Day. I'm not having a hard time with AI. I'm having a hard time with AI convincing a human that the AI is self-aware and exists. just because it's AI on instead of QAnon, you're just having a hard time. No, it's... It, I will just say that that is a a huge problem for me. Um, There is some other things that are, that I'm nitpicking, like the the Tom Cruise running. He's just getting old, whatever. You know, like that's, it it is what it is. He's still doing a great job, but he is showing his age. I'm curious because do they film the other one or no? I would assume so. That's the thing. I'm not sure. Do they film it back to back or whatever? Man, if they didn't, they're screwed. Because I, I haven't seen anything for like, like oh, here's from Dead Reckoning Part 2. But either way, I hope they did. Because if they didn't, that movie ain't coming out for a minute. Yeah, there, there's some problems. With this, with this possible strike. Yeah. But with this movie, I go back and forth. Is it better than the movies that I didn't like, like 2? Yeah, absolutely. 
there is, I have a, oh God, I have a broken heart for Rebecca Ferguson's character, Ilsa Faust. And just because I like her so much that it's like, oh, that was, uh, that was a death that I did not want to see, but I did predict. Another thing with that is her and Ethan's relationship, which we didn't talk about on the podcast at all. is like, it's so stupid and corny. Like he's like, this is my first time in Venice. And then he's like, <laughs> and then they hug and embrace. So like, do they just bone after that? And that is that like the whole, like, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know. So many off camera things that you don't I don't know think Tom Cruise does on camera inferred sex anymore. Mm. But what I will say is Haley, I wasn't afraid. Well, you can't say that she is because just from an acting perspective, it was too much of a hard turn to where it wasn't believable for me. I can say whatever I want, and I say upgrade. I like Haley Atwell. I like her. But I will say that I'm going to give this a mild, I can do this all day. Because it's good. I, I had a great time in the movie. I had a few things that took me out of the situation. I still don't get the movie 100%. And I'd like to think that I was trying to pay attention. And I'm a smart guy. But that's why I'm not like, hell yeah, I can do this all day. I, it's like, I, can, I could do this all day. Like, Go watch the second two Matrix movies. You'll be fine. I've seen that those movies like plenty of times. Well, I mean, yeah. watch them again because you'll get it. It sounds like we have a very similar opinion. We want to like, but we need the ending to figure it out. So, yeah, I guess we'll we'll give an official answer when the next one comes up. Do we know when that is? No. But you know what I do know? Is that we want to thank you for being a part of this podcast. This is our first face-to-face podcast and probably the last one for a while, at least until I come back out to Chicago or Mark comes out to Tampa. Um, we had a good time. We went a little bit longer than normal because, hey, this is what you get when you're in person. You talk some shit mm. and normal shenanigans happen. In the I can do this all day podcast where we talk about random people, movies, plot points, and just laugh about stupid shit. And, and I'm pretty sure my Ving Rames impression was god awful anyways, but Thank you all so much. Uh, thank you all to our international listeners. Uh, and then also, we just want to make sure that we are giving you the best type of content. But, Mark, why don't you take over from there? Like, subscribe, give us feedback. We want to know what you think about Dan's terrible opinions and all my wonderful insights into this movie. Um, or if you just think that I should be muted for the entirety, which I think we've argued about a few times. But seriously, we appreciate the 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 patronage, the listening, like, subscribe, review um, on whatever uh, way that you access our podcast. If you have a movie that you would love or you think that is worthy of 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 I can do this all day, uh, you know, slide in our DMs and let us know um, with the impending stoppage of of creation of movies, I, we may need some uh, some topics uh, fairly soon. So we're excited. Yeah. Thank you all. This was super fun. It's nice to see you and scissor you in person, buddy. Yeah. Scissor out. For you guys, for your... Oh, fuck. Let me...
let me after deuces her again. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and give us a five-star rating and a comment. We want to see your comment. We will read it on air on our next podcast, and we will give you a shout-out. We will see you all soon. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Scissor out! <laughs>